On this night, ominous storm clouds gather over the great house, and all who live within know that once again there is terror at Collinwood. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood, a podcast dedicated to the classic gothic television series, Dark Shadows. I am your hostess, Penny Dreadful, taking on the form of Danielle S. Oliveira Galerter. And as of this recording in April 2021, we're nearing the 55th anniversary of Dark Shadows, and I really wanted to celebrate by creating a Dark Shadows-based podcast. Now, I don't know how many of these I'll do, and I don't know how often I'll post them, but my plan is to use each episode to cover one of the show's major storylines, and we'll just go through them as we go along and also discuss the characters and the lore of Dark Shadows. And I hope to be joined by some spectral guests as we go along who uh, wish to discuss their favorite storyline with me. So we will be uh, diving in, uh, hopefully starting in the next episode. I love Dark Shadows. It's like my favorite thing ever. And it probably informed my personality to an unhealthy degree in terms of my interest in the macabre and in in gothic horror, gothic terror. Dark Shadows is a terror show, really. Fantasy terror. We can talk about that when we get into what Dark Shadows is, but I love Dark Shadows so much. Uh, I'm a longtime fan of classic horror films and literature, and that's the lens I'm looking uh, at the show through. So Dark Shadows ran from June 27th, 1966 through April 2nd, 1971 on ABC. There were 1,225 episodes, uh, although some episodes were double numbered due to preemptions, which is why uh, sometimes you see 1,245 episodes. That's not accurate. It's actually 1,225 episodes. It's just because some episodes were double numbered due to preemptions because they wanted the Friday episode to end on a five or a zero in terms of the, the numbering. So Dark Shadows was always very important to me growing up. I don't, like, looking back at the show in retrospect, I find it spoke to sort of those of us who were other. And even now, to this day, you always hold on to that sort of feeling of being other. And I think Dark Dark Shadows tapped into that for me without me even knowing it, that that was what I was connecting with. And I think that spoke to me in, in a major way. I didn't even know Dark Shadows was a soap opera when I was a kid. I It was never presented to me that way. Uh, I simply thought it was a spooky, ongoing horror show with a lot of awesome episodes. And frankly, I still don't think of it as a soap opera. Not really. It started off being very a very different animal. Like Dan Curtis, I like universal horror films. I like hammer horror films. I like classic horror stories like Stevenson's uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's really its own thing. It became a serialized gothic horror fantasy romance thriller. Okay? I mean, just, it was all of those things. And this shift really started happening before Barnabas showed up. Uh, Once the ghosts showed up, okay, once those ghosts killed Matthew Morgan, spoilers, 55-year-old spoilers, sorry. Um, Once those ghosts killed Matthew Morgan, once the Phoenix storyline happened, Laura showed up, we were setting off into the land of of gothic terror here is what was going on and that's that's what the show became it incorporated all of these classic uh tales of terror and a lot of people will downplay as particularly i think back then people really looked down their nose at, at horror they'll refer to it as as romance which there was gothic romance definitely they were pulling from jane eyre and in wuthering heights and things like that but 
for sure, the, the, there's no denying that the show is part of the pantheon of, of horror, really. It's, it's terror that we're looking at. Let's look at it this way. Soap operas don't get turned into monster model kits, bubblegum cards, comic books, or MGM horror movies. They don't get on the cover of Famous Monsters of Filmland because the people making those shows are not Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis loved that stuff. And really, at the end of the day, what Dark Shadows is, is it's a genre show in the sense that it falls squarely into the horror, sci-fi, and fantasy television category with stuff like Doctor Who, Star Trek, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, etc. It is a fantasy horror thriller kind of show, you know, or terror. If you don't want to use the word horror, we can go with terror. That's fine. And I recommend you check out the uh, article at uh, Dark Shadows Was Never a Soap Opera on the Collinsport Historical Society website. And I think what the Collinsport Historical Society uh, article also pointed out is that Dark Shadows had a premise. Even from the very beginning, Dark Shadows had a premise. Go check it out. It's written by Wallace McBride at the Collinsport Historical Society. It's an excellent article. Now, the other thing, this is a pet peeve of mine whenever I see an article about Dark Shadows. Camp classic Dark Shadows. The campy vampire soap opera Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows was not campy. Not campy. I love camp. I am a horror hostess. I That's what I do. I've been in the camp world and I know what camp is. Dark Shadows never struck me as camp. It's, I am baffled by that when, when I see that. Uh, to me, camp is certainly is an extremely exaggerated version of reality, but it's also sort of an ironic look at the, the subject matter itself, sort of a wink to the audience and a self-awareness and an exaggeration. And that that implies that, that there is an element of irony there that it's it's making fun of itself or it's making fun of the genre the gothic genre and it isn't it is actually very true to the gothic genre perhaps if you perceive it as camp that's I mean, that's certainly the lens through which you're looking at it you're entitled to to feel that way or to look at the show as oh this is isn't this a hoot isn't this funny this is hilarious and don't get me wrong there are funny things in dark shadows that are intentionally written to be funny sam hall was hilarious he wrote some really funny stuff intentionally so witty and then you have grayson hall who's often the go-to like oh dark shadows isn't campy look at grayson hall's reaction and according to sam she was trying to channel greta garbo in her sort of reactions gothic storytelling exists in a heightened reality that does not mean that they're being self-aware and ironic and tongue-in-cheek about the subject matter. They're playing it as if it's really happening, but they're playing it in that gothic style. To me, camp is ironically poking fun at the subject matter. And if you listen to interviews with any of the major players involved with the show, from the actors to the writers to the production people, they all vehemently denied that the show was ever meant to be played for camp. They all played this as if it was really happening, and they were maintaining the gothic tropes. One of the characteristics of the gothic is high or overwrought emotion, right? And this is what we see in universal horror films. It's what we see in Hammer horror films, and it's certainly what we see in the Corman Poe cycle and in, in, those, in these novels as well. And you can think that's funny. I'm not telling you what to, you shouldn't laugh at and what you should laugh at. I'm just telling you this is not meant to be a comedy show. To me, camp is also, it's a, there is an aspect of comedy to camp. Isn't this ridiculous? We're going to exaggerate this to the point of parody. But that's not what was going on. They were doing a gothic story. Bloopers. 
I love the bloopers. I think they're they're fun, but I'm not going to focus on those. They're part of the, what we love as fans about the show. Absolutely. But I think that a lot of people really focus on the bloopers. There are mistakes that happen in Dark Shadows. 100% yes, a lot. If you look at daytime soap operas that were running during that time, the little that exists, there were tons of mistakes. And Dark Shadows was at another level because they were doing special effects like ghosts and, and bats and werewolf transformations and things like this. Just, okay, just as an actress myself, I don't think I would like it if uh, I blew a line and every time somebody who saw the show came up to me and said, oh my God, I love that show. That was a great, great play. Remember when you blew that line or remember when you forgot that line and, and that's all they kept bringing up? Uh, I think I would get really sick of that. Like I would not want them to remember that 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 was why they loved the play like did you actually like the play or did you like the mistake I made in the play you know it's just these kind of things I'm kind of looking at it from that that perspective uh and uh I want to be respectful to the people involved with the show who put a ton of work into this program I mean the, you have to remember Dark Shadows was live to tape they rarely did retakes of scenes. They couldn't because they only had a limited time to use those tape machines and it was very expensive to edit tape and it was very difficult to edit tape. This was like non-linear editing on these big tape machines and when they did it, it was obvious when they made an edit because it was it was jarring. Like, you know, it would just, one act, the actor would be standing in one place and then they'd be standing in, standing in another place. It was more difficult to do editing, very expensive and they just, it was live. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the show was live to tape. And they had a new script every day and they were delivering these, especially Jonathan Frid, delivering these like speeches, uh, you know, these elaborate sort of storylines going on with all kinds of different plot threads running at the same time. It was difficult and special effects and blocking and they had to do one of these every day uh, or weekdays, you know. So this was not easy. The closest equivalent is live theater. Dark Shadows was essentially live theater, and there were theater actors. These were New York theater actors, you know, some fresh out of drama school, some coming off Broadway, and amazing, wonderful, eccentric theater actors. I love all the actors on the show, everybody. I, they were all the major players, and just so many wonderful actors, and the writers, too. Great writers. A lot of them were playwrights. Then you had director, great directors like Leela Swift. And, of course, leading the charge was Dan Curtis. When Dan Curtis was into it, he, I mean, Dan Curtis was the de facto head writer on the show. He was, he was in charge of the show. He was the one, he'd bring in Lovecraft and say, let's do this, you know, let's do the Dunwich Horror. He was the one steering the ship. Uh, and the writers would bounce all kinds of ideas off him. And he was the one who'd say, well, yeah, let's do this, or no, I don't like that. And until he lost interest, because he got into making the movies. He did House of Dark Shadows, and then it was off to the races. He became obsessed with making films and lost interest in the show. He always said in his interviews, he, he was done. And you can tell. I mean, it's noticeable. Um, there's definitely a shift that happens, I think, particularly after 1995 storyline. But even then, those last eight, nine months of the show are still sensational. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, there's some stuff that's not as good, but I still love it. Let me now go into the second half of this episode where I talk, it's going to be a little more lighthearted in the second half. Uh, I'm going to talk about how I got into Dark Shadows. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood, a podcast dedicated to the classic gothic television series, Dark Shadows. I am your hostess, Danielle S. Oliveira Galerter, otherwise known as P. 
Penny Dreadful, and I thank you for joining me on this strange and terrifying journey. With each episode of this podcast, I plan to explore Dark Shadows' forbidden storylines, looking at the show's canon and characters from the perspective of a longtime Dark Shadows fan and a longtime classic horror fan. I've wanted to do this podcast for some time now, and it is Dark Shadows' 55th anniversary, and I think it's the perfect time to launch a podcast of this nature, of this super nature, and um, there isn't really anything exciting going on for the show's 55th anniversary. The most recent thing I heard was that they were planning a sequel series called Dark Shadows Reincarnation, which was going to be on the CW, and unfortunately that's no longer happening, although they are shopping the show around. Uh, I am intrigued by the idea of a sequel series, a next generation Dark Shadows series, if you will. I'm more interested in that than in another reboot, but I think it's very important, no matter what type of show they do, that they capture the feel of Dark Shadows, and I think that's very difficult, perhaps impossible to do, but one thing that's really important, I think, is what Jonathan Frid always said, which is, Dark Shadows was like a dark brigadoon. In other words, Dark Shadows very much existed in its own world. Like many gothic tales, most gothic tales are sort of detached from the real world. Dark Shadows never made references to current events. Dark Shadows never really referenced pop culture products or, or things that were going on in culture at the time. It existed in its own world. It was an escape from the real world. And I think it's really important to maintain that. Just a little bit of background on me, I am primarily known as horror hostess Penny Dreadful. I hosted the show Shilling Shockers on local television in haunted New England, presented many creaky old horror films on television, and I've done a lot of local theater as well. Uh, I'm an actress, and by day, when I am not wearing a pointy witch hat, I teach uh, English classes at the local university. Uh, I grew up loving classic horror, universal horror films, hammer horror films, the Corman Poe cycle, uh, reading the tales of Edgar Allan Poe, who is my favorite writer, but I love all of that stuff. Mary Shelley, Bram Stoker, Shirley Jackson, the list goes on and on. Robert Louis Stevenson, H.P. Lovecraft, all of that stuff is just, I love it. Uh, And uh, so did Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis grew up watching those films and reading stuff like Turn of the Screw, which is one of my favorites too, or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I love Jekyll and Hyde. And uh, that all fed into Dan Curtis's interest. And you can hear it in his uh, interviews and things. He's like, that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. And that's that's kind of what he fed on and put into the show. Uh, I've talked a little bit about this on the Collinsport Historical Society podcast, which is a great podcast and a wonderful website, and I highly encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. Um, But I always knew about Dark Shadows because of my uncle, Valdemar. I was born almost two years after the show went off the air. I was born in 73. But Uncle Valdemar, he was an original fan. He moved to the U.S. from Portugal. My entire family are from the Azorean Islands, Portugal, São Miguel, and Terceira. And Uncle Val, uh, he was a kid when he got here to the U.S. in the 60s, and he immediately got into pop culture. Uh, Superman, the George Reeves Superman, Adam's Family, Monsters, and Dark Shadows. And Uncle Valdemar, like me, he's a monster kid. He got hardcore into the classic monster craze that was taking place at the time. He was buying the famous Monsters of Filmland magazines. He had his own set of fangs. He was a huge Dark Shadows fan. And when I was a kid, when I came around, he was already a a teenager by then. So he was giving me all of his 
monster stuff that he didn't want anymore. You know, he gave me his famous Monsters of Filmland magazines. And I remember being fascinated and repulsed by those beautiful Basil Gogos covers, but they're so psychedelic and creepy. And I distinctly remember the famous monsters number 58 with the Boris Karloff mummy painting, and also famous monsters number 59 with the famous Barnabas Collins painting. And of course, I met Basil Gogos years later uh, doing convention appearances as Penny Dreadful, and he, he was a wonderful man, brilliant, brilliant artist, and a really nice guy, and he had the Barnabas print uh, on his table of that cover, and I got it from him. So I had it matted and framed, and he signed it for me. And I got a couple other prints from him. I got a Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, and uh, Elsa Lanchester as the Bride of Frankenstein as well. And uh, I just remember looking at those covers of those magazines and being disturbed and intrigued by them. And he also gave me his bubblegum cards. He had a ton of the pink border set of Dark Shadows cards and a ton of the green border set too. And I remember looking at those and just being freaked out by Barnabas's fangs and flipping the card over so that I, I wouldn't have to look at them. But then I'd peek, you know, I'd want to peek at it because it was so intriguing and, and creepy. And uh, he, he had a ton of those cards too. He gave me uh, like Lost in Space cards, the monkeys, all that stuff. And I was getting a lot of those cards too, like like, uh, at the time, you know, I remember getting, like, Incredible Hulk cards and Elvis cards and Charlie's Angels and uh, Mork and Mindy and all these other cards that I would just mix them all together. And I, my mom threw them away, sadly. Uh, I have subsequently collected all of the, those sets for, for the Dark Shadows. I finally got to watch Dark Shadows around 1982. It wasn't airing locally here in uh, Massachusetts, where I lived in Massachusetts, as far as I knew, but Uncle Valdemar was the first person I knew who ever got a VCR, and it was about 1982. And he started getting VHS copies of horror movies, like The Bride of Frankenstein and The Wolfman, and I'd watch them with him. He lived with my grandparents, and you know, we'd go over to visit and he'd say, oh, you want to watch The Wolfman or you want to watch Dracula? He'd get all these movies and I'd love them. I'd watch them with him and they were creepy and, and awesome. And one day he pulls out a tape and it was Dark Shadows. He said, I got Dark Shadows. He met this guy, Mark, who gave him copies of Dark Shadows episodes. And these were like fourth or fifth generation copies. They were really grainy. And they must have aired somewhere out of Indiana because I remember the end credits, they had an ad for Dark Shadows fan club that you could write into. And I remember writing in and I got the letter bounced back in the mail. So they must have been like older syndication airings of Dark Shadows. But anyway, Uncle Valdemar put the tape in and we sat down and watched it. And it was the first episode from syndication, which of course was the introduction of Barnabas where Willie opens the coffin, you know, he unchains the coffin. And I've said this before, when that hand came out of the coffin and grabbed Willie by the throat, it grabbed me by the throat. That hand reaching out eerily with the black ring and grabbing this grave robber by the throat. Oh man, I was hooked. Hardcore. I wanted to watch more. I couldn't stop watching it. I kept begging my mom to go back to visit Uncle Valdemar so we could watch more Dark Shadows. And I had terrible nightmares. I remember having terrible nightmares about Barnabas Collins, but I, I really wanted to watch more. So we'd watch a mix of Dark Shadows and old horror movies and classic comedies too. Um, he passed that love on to me as well. Uh, but I was really hooked on, uh, on Dark Shadows, even though these tapes were really grainy and glitchy and all of this, they were wonderful. So those tapes 
continued on for a couple of years at least. And these tapes ended somewhere close to the end of 1795. Barnabas had already been turned into a vampire by Angelique in the 1795 storyline. And then the tapes ended. Mark didn't have any more tapes. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? How does Vicky get back to the present? Does she ever get back to the present? Because you have to remember at this point in time, in the mid 80s, there was nothing like early to mid 80s, nothing for Dark Shadows, no books, no information. I, I could not find anything. None of my friends knew what Dark Shadows was, except for my cousin, Karen. My cousin, Karen, my little cousin, she lived downstairs and she'd come upstairs and watch the show with me uh, and Uncle Val and with our grandmother too. We'd all sit down and watch it. And Karen became addicted to Dark, to dark Shadows. And to this day, she still is a big fan of Dark Shadows. And so is Uncle Valdemar. He still is as well. And uh, we would watch the show together. We'd come up and we'd sit there for hours watching these tapes. But then they ended. Oh no, fortunately, Uncle Valdemar found out that WCVX Channel 58, a UHF station out of Vineyard Haven in Massachusetts, was airing Dark Shadows. It was a UHF channel, so he had cable at the time, so I remember he got a roof antenna so that we could get the signal to watch Dark Shadows, and he would tape it. By the time he got it, they were in the middle of the Adam storyline, which was awesome. I was like, oh my God, Frankenstein, this is great. And he had told me about Adam before. I would, I asked him a million questions, and he would, you know, he'd answer from his memories from the 60s. So here was Adam, the Frankenstein character that he had mentioned to me. But I still didn't know how Vicky got back to, to the present day, but that was okay. Dark Shadows was back on. And Channel 58 kept running the show. It was awesome. They ran the show all the way to the end of the syndication package, which at the time was somewhere in parallel time, 1970 parallel time, and then it ended again. And I was like, oh no, not again. So in the interim, as Channel 58 was airing the show, one day, it must have been about 86, I was in Walden Books. Remember Walden Books? I was in Walden Books. I was looking in the television and movie section, which I often looked in, and there was my scrapbook memories of Dark Shadows, and I lost my mind. Not only was it a book about Dark Shadows, which was unheard of at the time, in at that point in the 80s, but it's by Catherine Lee Scott. Maggie Evans herself wrote a book about Dark Shadows. This is incredible. So, of course, I got the book, and I must have read that book dozens of times at around that time as well. There was a magazine, a monster magazine called Monsterland, and it was, I believe it was Fari Ackerman as well from Famous Monsters of Filmland who launched uh, Monsterland. And in the back of Monsterland, there were ads for these things called file magazines, and they had Dark Shadows file magazines. Those took forever to come in the mail, but I did finally get them. Between the Dark Shadows files and my scrapbook memories, I was able to find the fandom for Dark Shadows. A whole new world opened up for me. I sent away for some information from the Dark Shadows Festival. They sent me a, an envelope with a bunch of flyers in it, and I ended up ordering from Media Sound Records volumes two, three, and four of the Dark Shadows records. I don't think they had reissued volume one yet at that point. They eventually did. I believe that was Robert Colbert himself, actually, that launched that label. So I got the Dark Shadows soundtracks, which was super exciting, and then I started subscribing to the fanzines. The World of Dark Shadows, the 
best Dark Shadows fanzine, which was published by Kathleen Resch. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I never knew how to pronounce her last name. I always called her Kathy Resch. And oh my goodness, what an amazing fanzine. It started in 1975 and it just went on for decades. And how exciting it was to receive those fanzines in the mail. The World of Dark Shadows, Inside the Old House, Shadows of the Night, Shadowgram, the newsletter, Collinwood Revisited, The Eagle Hill Sentinel, Parallel Times. There were some, Wincliffe Watch. I mean, they just, the list went on and on. This was pre-internet, you know, so this this was how the fandom manifested. It wasn't only Dark Shadows, I mean, you know, Star Trek and Doctor Who and all these other, you know, horror, sci-fi, fantasy type shows had their fan bases with fanzines. And I even started writing fanfic. Uh, I even wrote a fanfic about Gerard Stiles, uh, which I hadn't even seen that storyline yet because it wasn't available in syndication. But fortunately, Kathy also published the Dark Shadows Concordances, which were detailed episode summaries that were beautifully illustrated by the late great Warren Odson. Uh, Warren just brought those scenes to life and he, not only did he create these beautiful pieces of artwork for these great concordances that really dove deep into these stories, but he also wrote essays plot speculation and character speculation essays, and that was, I think, my favorite thing. In the zines, there were things like the Collinsport Debating Society in the World of Dark Shadows or the fan page in Inside the Old House, where people would really just dive in and speculate on the plot. I think nowadays it's called fan wanking, uh, I believe is the, is the slang term for it, And uh, but I love that, and that's kind of what I want to focus on on this podcast. I finally got to watch the series in its entirety when MPI Home Video started releasing the VHS tapes, and I got all of those. I had a job at my uncle's clothes store. I'd usually work there on weekends, and uh, all the money I made when I was working as a teenager, uh, I just bought MPI tapes. I gave MPI a lot of my money, and I still continue to give them a lot of my money when they come out with new uh, products. Um, but yeah, I finally got to watch the last year of the show and the first year of the show, the long-lost first year. I look forward to hearing what you love about Dark Shadows, but as we go along, I want to examine the storylines of the show. I want to break down each storyline, each plot line, and I'll bring a guest on for each of these storylines, and we'll we'll go to town and really do a deep dive. Uh, I, I was asked by some friends to, to look at each individual episode per podcast episode, and since there are 1,225 episodes, it would take me over 23 years to do that if I were to do an episode a week. That's assuming I'm, I would do an episode a week, which I'm not going to do. Um, it would take me over 23 years to do a weekly episode that covers each episode of Dark Shadows. Uh, that's not going to happen. There are some great websites out there that you can look at that do examine the show, each epi episode by episode. Uh, the Dark Shadows Every Day blog by Danny Horn. He has his write-ups on each of the episodes and his his examinations and pulling in different aspects of the show. Um, there's also the Drawing Room podcast. They talk about the uh, episodes. There's the Literary License podcast as well, which is a great podcast, and they take chunks of, of episodes and they, they jump into those. Like, they'll take maybe, like, you know, 15, 20 episodes and they'll just, they'll discuss those. Um, what I want to do is just take the whole storyline and just do a deep dive on the storyline. I might also pull individual episodes and, and discuss those, too, like the Dark Shadows Daybook uh, at the Collinsport Historical Society website. Um, they do that, and I may do something like that as well. But one thing I'd really like to do is do some plot speculation, character speculation. So the question I'm going to pose to you 
because I want to hear from you too. I'm not just going to sit here and, you know, pontificate about plot line inconsistencies. I would like to hear from you on your thoughts. Here's the first topic I'll throw out to you. In 1840, where was the family secret? When we see Edith Collins in 1897, she was the keeper of the family secret. She's, it's supposed to be passed down. But in 1840, where's the family secret? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Write to me at terror at Collinwood at gmail.com and let me know what your theory is about the family secret in 1840. I'd like to thank my friend Eric Marshall for the fantastic logo he created for this show. It's just sensational. I love it. Eric and I are longtime collaborators. We've been uh, writers on the Masters of the Universe brand, writing uh, bios for the toy packaging. And Eric has been watching the pre-Barnabas episodes, so he'll be joining me to talk about those. This was the first time he's ever watched the pre-Barnabas shows, so uh, I look forward to hearing his take on those. Uh, and so thank you, Eric, for designing this great logo. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Rebecca Paiva for the music I used in this episode that was inspired by Dark Shadows. We used it in our Drunk Shadows episode for Shilling Shockers where I showed the terror starring Boris Karloff, the legendary Boris Karloff, and Jack Nicholson, uh, a very young Jack Nicholson, uh, and uh, we, that we shot some footage at Seaview Terrace, uh, the Carrie Mansion, for that episode. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but thank you, Rebecca, for that. And also, thank you to Derek M. Cook, host of the Monster Kid Radio podcast, uh, for some podcasting tips he gave me. Uh, Monster Kid Radio is a great podcast, and I highly encourage you to check it out. If you love classic monsters, and who doesn't? If you're listening to this, I assume you love classic horror movies, uh, in addition to Dark Shadows. So go check out Derek M. Cook's great podcast, Monster Kid Radio. There are hundreds of episodes uh, that you can dive into. And also, I want to thank Aaron Haas, host of the Hallowed Groundling podcast, an amazing podcast that takes a look at the entire spectrum of horror. Aaron looks at modern horror, classic horror, different aspects of horror. It's a great, fantastic podcast. Check it out, hallowedgroundling.com. Aaron is a great host, and uh, you will be hearing from Aaron as well, because I hope to have her on uh, on this show, and Derek, too, actually. I want to bring on a variety of guests, people who bring their perspectives to the table about Dark Shadows, so you'll be hearing from them as well. As soon as I can figure out how to record guests for a podcast, that will happen. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. I am Penny Dreadful, and remember, Dark Shadows is a Dan Curtis production. <laughs>